Hello, beautiful. Welcome to another episode of Gala Loves Everything. And this episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Belle Suit, and she is a complete genius when it comes to masculine, feminine dynamics, polarity, and really showing up as our authentic selves in relationship, which I'm learning is the key to true intimacy. I found her on Instagram a while ago under the name Pussy Flowers, except the U was a V. And I was really gripped by what she was saying. And I loved how unapologetically she was saying everything. And we started chatting in the DMs. And I was like, please, can I have you on my podcast? I think people really need to hear what you have to say. And the conversation that we just had blew my mind. Like it was a full blown mouth open mic drop kind of moment. And we talk about everything from, you know, showing up as ourselves, feeling our own emotions, allowing ourselves to express our needs, not mothering our men. And really what does it take to create a juicy relationship? What's our part of that? What's our side of the street? So I really hope you enjoy this. I think you will. I think you should get out a pen and some paper because this babe dropped some serious gems and I'm so excited for you to listen. Hi, Belle. I am so excited to talk to you today. I feel like we're going to get into some really juicy stuff. Yes, me too. Hello. I'm so excited too. I'm thrilled. Yay. Oh my goodness. So for those of you who are listening, I found Belle through Instagram and I was really just so inspired by what she was sharing about polarity and dynamics. And we started talking back and forth and I was like, this is just someone that we really need to have on the podcast. And I think the first things that I started sharing about were really about this idea of how we can overthink in our relationships and how we can kind of lose our radiance and our vibrancy when we get stuck in our heads. And I would just love to hear, you know, why that is and, and what we can do about it and, and, and anything that you can tell us that would be helpful for people who are struggling with that. Yes, this is such a good juicy topic um, because I just feel like it's so connected to being in your feminine in so many ways. And it's such a common thing mm. that women struggle with. So I feel like with the women that I work with, when they come to me and they're struggling with being in their head and overthinking, overanalyzing, and just sort of approaching their life from this place and relating and the relationships from this place in their head... I feel like there is, I'd say like two or three like major things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So the first one I would say, <clears throat> I would say when, if we want to look at the bigger picture of this, so yes, someone might be struggling with being in their head, but if you zoom out from that, what else is true here? So if you're in your head, and that's how you're relating, that would mean that you are not in your body, you're not in your emotions, you're not in your feelings. Mm. And another way of saying that is you are not available for those aspects of yourself. So being in your head, also another way to look at that is being emotionally unavailable 
to yourself. Mm, wow. Yes. Yes. So there's definitely some, there's, you're unavailable to the emotional and felt experiences of your life because you're all the way up there in your head. You are too far from them and you just aren't connected to, to that relationship and being available and open to what's existing in you outside of that, you know, region of being up in your brain and up in your mind. I was just going to say, you know, something that my partner has told me so much is he'd be like, you're really emotionally unavailable. And I would think, Mm -hmm. how am I emotionally unavailable? I love you so much. Like I think about you all the time, but the truth is that I wasn't allowing myself to have access to all of my feelings because I was afraid of what would happen if I did. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because so many women, especially when I first start working with them, that is their perspective. They're like, I could not be emotionally unavailable. Like I feel all these things. Like I feel frustration. I feel anger and irritation and sadness. And to me, it's like, from my perspective, I'm like, yes, you definitely are feeling like the blunt emotional expression Mm. of things But when you really get in there and discern what that is, that is the reaction. That is not the truth of what's going on underneath the reaction. Oh my God, that is a mic drop. (laughs) Holy shit balls. So yeah, so that's the part of you that makes you emotionally available when you are open to the deeper aspects of your felt experience, not just like that top layer of reaction. That's, that's something else entirely. That is, yeah, that is not you having a relationship with your feelings and emotions. Chances are, even if you're feeling like the blunt expression of like happiness or love or, or pain or anger, you're, you're not, you're not in a relationship with that and you're not, you're not learning from it. You're not truly understanding the depth of it and you're not really allowing it to exist. And like what you were saying, cause you're afraid of, you know, what that really might mean or what might really come up for you underneath it. Wow. So yeah. So basically all those feelings of, you know, frustration or anger or love or happiness, what you're saying, I think, is that they're really a reaction to some kind of stimulus as opposed to part of your just authentic emotional flow. Yes, there is more there for you that you are not experiencing beyond that top layer. Wow. So I um, I was at a retreat this past weekend. It was an S-Factor retreat, actually, which is kind of like a a feminine embodiment dance practice. And something that came up for me while I was there, and you can tell me if you think this is right or not. What I felt in my body was that people pleasing comes from the mind and not from the body. And my belief in that moment was if you're stuck in your mind, then people pleasing is almost not imperative, but it's very likely but that if you can be in your body, then people-pleasing doesn't have as much of a grip on you. Absolutely. And the reason, like the, the reason underneath, the thing that's fueling the people-pleasing, y- when you can 
connect with what's underneath that, which is going to be your feelings, your felt experience of it, like the depth of it, um, that's going to change your whole experience of people pleasing. It's not going to be necessary anymore if you learn the language of the feelings and the emotions that are going on underneath that and fueling it. Yeah. So, okay. So tell me why it is that we are so in our heads and yes, why is this, why is this going on? (laughs) Okay. So the, if you, okay. If you are a woman or, you know, a feminine energy person and you struggle with being in your head, what you're really struggling with is unmet needs. So the feminine, the feminine is inherently vulnerable. That is what feminine energy, feminine anything is all about. It's inherently about your vulnerability. So, I mean, anything that is feminine inside you, it's like your, your feelings and your emotions. And this includes like the deepest, darkest pain and fear that you have along with the highest expressions of joy, these are things sourced from your vulnerability. And this includes everything else that's vulnerable about you inherently, which is your softness, your receptivity, your body as a feminine person is inherently vulnerable. And especially for women, your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a feminine person, you are going to feel unprotected, unsecured, unsafe, as, as well as probably you're going to be definitely, you're going to be struggling with feelings of not good enough, being not good enough, if your needs are going unmet. Because your needs are what give you the sense of and the cultivated experience of internal safety internal protection, internal security. And so if you're not meeting your emotional needs in a consistent way, you still have to do something. And what the feminine then does to offset those feelings is it veers towards control. And if we're talking about being in our head, that is what the experience of being in your head is all about. It's about Mm -hmm. controlling your emotional experience. It's about controlling what's going on around you, controlling the direction you're going, usually controlling what you're feeling in the sense of avoiding it. And so meeting your emotional needs, getting really good at meeting your emotional needs, understanding them and learning about them, that is like the treasure chest (laughs) to your feminine, which is just another way of saying being in your body, feeling safe to be in your feelings and to relate to others from your emotions and your feeling place and your senses and body. Mm. But you you will go ahead. Can you give some examples of like what those emotional needs might be? Because I think a lot of people listening are going to be like, I don't even know what my emotional needs are. I know. even begin with this. Yes. This is an this is such a huge thing with, with women and just, I mean, humanity in general. This is like a new area for us. We're kind of coming out of the dark ages of emotional understanding and awareness. But so your needs, you're going to have emotional, everyone has emotional needs and you're going to have needs 
that are bigger and broader that you could probably sit down and like list out, like, I think I need this in a relationship. I want this kind of interaction. And those needs are going to be very similar to things that you value. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be very personal to you. But what I'm talking about, especially that's very important is going to be the day to day experience, the lived experience of your needs and the easiest way for me to sort of give an example of this is even if you don't know anything about inner child work, inner child work makes it so easy to understand this part of you. So if you're going through your day and something happens and you feel angry or upset, you have a need. Anytime you're feeling discomfort, anytime you're just generally not feeling a strong sense of well-being, you have a need that's going unmet. Hmm. And so if you're kind of like, especially in the beginning, it's like, all right, well, what is my need? I don't feel good. I feel angry, but I don't know what my need is here. If you approach it and you look at it as if these feelings were like a small child, if there was a child in front of you feeling what you're feeling, you're going to get a pretty clear understanding of how to work with this. Like what would that child standing in front of you need? Chances are they might need you to listen to them. They might need to express their anger to you. They, they might need to talk to you, dialogue with you. They probably also need some comfort from you. Mm-hmm. And then they also might need you to take an action. Maybe you need to step out of a certain situation that is triggering this anger inside of you. Maybe you need to create a boundary. And that all becomes really clear when you just look at it as like, how would you take care of this little child? And the reality is it's your inner child. This is how your inner child is feeling. And so you meet those emotional needs that that child would have. And that is you having a lived day-to-day experience in connection with this part of you. Mm, I love that because I think when you sort of boil it down to what does this child need, it sort of takes the complexity out of it, right? Yes. It becomes very simple. Yes. That's why I love it. You don't have to be familiar with inner child work, even though it's incredible and I encourage everyone to look into it, but it's such a simplified, but very true and authentic way of understanding how to work with your day-to-day emotional needs and what comes up for you. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I sort of, you know, the, the reason that we're talking about this is this is really something that I am on a quest to understand for myself. And usually when I want to master a topic, I decide I'm going to write a book about it and that's what I do. (laughs) So for a year, I like immerse myself in this thing. And, um, what I've discovered, um, is that when you don't allow yourself access to all of your emotions, you are also, um, you don't know what you want or need. Yeah. And that's the key right there, Gala, you landed on it. Your feelings are the first step in knowing what you need. You have to be in connection with your feelings to understand your needs. Mm. Which is wild. And I think that when you don't have connection to your feelings as well, there's there's so many um, casualties of that. Like you also don't really know who you are. And I feel like when you don't really know who you are, like you may have a, 
you know, an external cultivated image, or you might have a personal style, or you might have, you know, a writing style or something. But if you don't really know how you feel, you don't really know who you are, and you sort of go around looking for people to hold up a mirror to show you. And I think that that's a place where we can really get lost in relationships. And I certainly have done this more times than I can count, where I you know, I've, I'm so disconnected from what I'm feeling that I'm just looking to my partner to show me who I am. And as beautiful as that can be, sometimes it can also really make you so confused. Yes, absolutely. It's, I mean, and I can so relate to this in the beginning when I first started exploring like the feminine and masculine and feminine polarity work, I was in the same boat and I would have questions about like, well, how do I know how to do this? And how do I know what's right for me? And how do I know what I really feel? And now where I am on my path, I can look back at that. And those questions were, and I get them all the time from women as well. It's like, and those questions are all sourced from your mind. The answer, and it's like, I don't want to make it sound like it's so easy because it definitely takes effort and it takes practice and process to be able to learn the language of your feelings and develop emotional literacy. But it's when you can start to connect with that place in yourself, those questions go away. Like you understand that like, I just have to feel into this. I just have to allow this part of me to exist and then get curious about it. And then I kind of actually know what I want and I know what I need and I know what I feel. It's very clear when you give yourself the time and the attention to do that. Mm. Yeah. Something I've been practicing is when a feeling comes up, instead of pushing it away, I basically visualize myself like, you know, um, in the Titanic when they're at the front of the boat and they have their (laughs) arms open wide, I visualize myself opening my arms to the emotion and seeing the emotion as being like a big wave and knowing that it's going to hit me, but that it's also going to subside. And what's really fascinating about that is how quickly the emotion actually will dissipate if you allow yourself to completely feel it. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that. And I bet as you've done this and you've rode the Titanic down to the bottom over (laughs) and over again, you've learned and you've developed trust in your ability to let yourself feel Mm -hmm. because you know, it's not going to take you away. And that opens you up even more to allow an even deeper, more authentic experience of your feelings because you don't have to be so scared. Like, you know, it's going to shift, you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a baddie in the moment. You're going to have to ride it, but it's going to, it's going to change. It's going to transform and you're going to, you're going to move out of it every time. Hmm. So for women who are like, holy shit, this sounds terrifying. (laughs) Um, What would you suggest would be like their first port of call? I guess we can continue with like the ship um, metaphors. (laughs) Um, what would you say would be their first port of call in maybe allowing themselves to like dip their toe into some, to some feelings? You know, I would say there are two things here that are really important. Um, one, you need to find a practice that 
allows you to spend time with your body. Like this is extremely important because if there are any nervous system things happening, if there's any dysregulation, if there's any old trauma, that is going to make it really difficult for you to start to sink into your heart more and connect more with your feeling nature. So you want to like support yourself in this journey with your body. And then besides that, it's just like starting to take baby steps, just asking yourself, well, how does this feel? Can you make time to give attention to this part of yourself? Well, how does this feel to me? What am I feeling? And as you continue to ask yourself those questions and you are consistent about it, because I'm not going to lie, it takes effort Mm. if it's new. But if you're devoted to this, if you commit to this, if you want to, like you said, learn about this part of you, it's just going to take little steps. And then that step gets easier. And then you're, oh, well, I'm going to be even more curious about this. And I'm actually going to journal about this. And then journaling is going to get easier. And it just continues to open up more and more for you. It's just you need to start taking those first little steps and just asking, how do I feel? How does Mm. this feel to me? I love that. And it's, that it really is so simple, right? But like you're saying, it's consistency and the practice of it. So it's not a one and done kind of a, an affair. It's really, this becomes a part of your life. Yes. It's a practice and it's a process. Yeah. And what would you say? So if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, I don't know that I'm really into this. <laughs> I would love to hear what you feel are the consequences of not doing this because I feel like I've experienced some very serious consequences from living from the neck up and pushing my feelings to the side. And I'd love to hear what you think those consequences could be for people. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to just feel generally confused and exhausted about your life. Like you're not going to be thriving for me immediately. This goes to relationships. Like it's Mm going to show up in your relationships and you're either going to struggle attracting partners or the partners that you have, the relationship is not going to thrive. It's just going to be obstacle after obstacle that you can't seem to understand how to alleviate or shift or transform. Um, There's just going to be a lot of surviving and not a lot of thriving. Mm. What has been your experience? I'm curious about that. Well, my experience has been that... You know, I intellectualize everything or, you know, did. And as a consequence, there's not a lot of deep emotional connection Mm. within the relationship. And my relationships often sort of quickly transition from like a honeymoon period to like a friendship that doesn't feel very deep. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is very painful when what you want is to feel love. But honestly, this might sound wild, but I'm 38 years old and the relationship I'm in now is the first one in which I have actually allowed myself to feel love in my body rather than just like think I was in love. And I bet this relationship is the one that's been different than all the others. It's different and it's so fucking hard, but... (laughs) 
It's like you choose your hard, right? It's also really hard to be in a relationship where you're not connecting to someone. And learning to be emotionally fluent is hard too, but there are benefits from it rather than staying stubbornly in, I'm just going to live in my head and this is how I am and you have to deal with it. Yeah, it's short-term hard because, yeah, yeah, you're going to eventually move through that and then you're going to come to an opening on the other side that has so many benefits and that feels so good and takes you to a new level. Yeah, completely. But the, you know, the, um, it's like a stumbling block, right? And it's very challenging and uncomfortable in the moment when you're learning to do those things. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, so hard. Um, so I'm looking at our messages that we were exchanging because we were talking about that terrible show, The Ultimatum. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and you were talking about the idea of being chosen. Hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, for a feminine person, it's being chosen is so, it's so high up there. It's such, and it's so unconscious, I think, for so many women. It's, um, they find themselves chasing and in controlling and trying to make relationships happen and make things happen because underneath all of that it's like this deep desire to be chosen and and how much it gives the feminine being chosen is like a container for the feminine i mean it's so many things but it's also a container for her for safety and for intimacy and for connection And is that thing about being chosen, like, do you think that that is kind of a, like a a result of trauma or do you think like, regardless of how healthy and how cleaned up you are, you're still going to want to be chosen? I think, I think it's, I think it can be both Mm. as a feminine person. If you are a woman, if you're someone who mostly predominantly identifies with feminine energy you're always going to have that desire and it doesn't have to be an unhealthy desire at all. However, if the way that you're approaching, like we were talking about earlier, having your needs met, if you look at this as a need for the feminine, if you're approaching it through control, then chances are, I feel like there is possibly some trauma around that or um, just unhealed, likely childhood stuff, past wounds that need to be worked through. Mm. But even once you work through that, you're still going to have that desire to be contained in a relationship and chosen. You're still going to want that. The way you approach it just is going to be different. Mm. And do you think it's possible to attract a healthy partner when you are sort of still swimming in your trauma or even like unconscious of it? Yeah, I, you definitely, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be healed to attract a healthy relationship with someone. But you have to be, you have to be open to working with it. You have to be ready to face things and face them with a partner. So even if you still have trauma and I mean, everyone does, you're never really going to, you're never really going to get to a point where you're completely healed. It's a process. It's life. You're always going to moving, be moving through layers of it. But 
I think you can attract a partner who is going to be ready to do that with you. But the truth within that is that you're always going to attract a partner that's at your level. So you're not going to attract someone who's way far beyond you on their path of healing because it's just not something that's not something that could be sustainable for your two energies and for that polarity. Right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think, you know, I feel like essentially a relationship is like two people's traumas banging up against each other. (laughs) And you really do both have to be committed to making some shifts and making some changes. And, you know, I think one of the thing that things that's really hard is I see, I mean, so many women are in self-development and self-help and healing and all those things. And sometimes it feels like men just don't either have the curiosity or the access to the tools or something. And I feel like women, women can be very proactive with their healing and men seem stuck. Well, I would challenge that actually. I would love to be challenged. <laughs> I'd love to not feel that way. Yes. So I'm not going to say there isn't truth in that experience. There's definitely, you can experience that. However, I'm going to say that the lens that you're looking through is the lens of the feminine and like her standard of say, like what women think like emotional availability in a man should look like. Okay. And so if you're, if you're thinking, oh, well, this man isn't doing the work and he can't talk to me about all his feelings and he's not very open about his emotions, maybe he's not on this path with me. That's not necessarily true at all. Mm. They are doing it differently. Yes. Yes. Could you give me some examples of like ways that men might be doing the work that women don't kind of recognize or understand? The masculine isn't going to, when he, when he is connected to himself and has a healthy relationship with himself, he isn't going to show up more feminine. He's going to actually show up more masculine. Mm. So a man who's working on his purpose, a man who is committed to multiple areas in his life, not just having like a job he's committed to, but he has other areas of his life that he's committed to, or he's working in some kind of leadership around, even if that's just being a father and being a leader through fatherhood, mm-hmm. he, he's going to, his focus is going to be on the masculine side of things, being the stable, grounded, polarized opposite, you could say complement would be a better word, to you. So if you're diving deep into all this emotional stuff and it's like, I'm working through my trauma, I'm working through my emotions, but his process doesn't look like mine. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's not working on it or he's not also emotionally available as you are. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. And I I remember you did this amazing post that was like, if you expect your masculine partner to respond the way your girlfriend does, you're going to be disappointed. Yes. And that's a great example of this. It's like if we, if we turn to them and we expect them to, we just want to go and like talk, 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 and like express all this stuff that happened with us. And this is 
what happened in my day, you know, the stuff that we love to do with our girlfriends. The masculine is, it's not going to make him unhealthy if he doesn't respond like, oh my God, tell me all about it. Let's, let's talk about all the things. Let's gab. And he gets very involved. If he even gets overwhelmed a little bit by you coming to him like that, that's not a sign of him not being open to you. That's just simply how the masculine nervous system is going to respond to mm. the intensity that you bring as a feminine person. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this, I think, is learning about the differences between the masculine and the feminine and how they process things differently and how they just approach so many things vastly differently than the feminine. So then when we look at that question of like, oh, well, I don't know if he's doing the work, you can actually understand from a masculine perspective what he is doing and if that is meaningful for him. And then as long as he's coming back and he's showing up for you stable and he's showing up for you available for your emotional whatever that you're bringing to him mm-hmm. and he is accepting and allowing of it and he is the support around that and he is working in his life to create purpose or provide something for the relationship. It doesn't necessarily have to be financial. But if he's meeting those things, he is on his path. He is on his path to connecting to his worth through his masculinity. Mm, that's such a good point because, you know, women in, um, in self-help areas are kind of like, you know, where are the men that meditate and where are the men that, you know, do the blah, 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 blah. And often when I meet men who do a lot of those things, they're very feminine. Do you want that? Yeah, that's like... <laughs> I've always found that unattractive. Like, I actually don't want that. I'd prefer to be with a man who rides dirt bikes on the weekend, not the man who is doing breath work all the time, you know? Right. Yes. And like a little bit is great, but you know, not to live there because you're going to be in that ooey gooey place. And I actually want you to be my rock. Exactly. You want them to be available to that emotional feminine nature that's also inside of them, but you don't want them leading with it. You don't need them to identify with that part of themselves because you're then going to struggle with like, where's the room for me? Like, Mm -hmm. where, where is my feminine in this? Like, do I feel safe within someone who is leading with like that softer energy. And there may be women who listen to this who are like, well, yeah, that's what I want. And everyone is individual and the Mm -hmm. amount of their feminine and masculine energy is all individual. So who they're attracted to is going to be different. But generally speaking, if you're a feminine person, you want the container, you want the direction and the focus that the masculine brings, not so much the softness. You want that sometimes. And that's the thing is because of polarity, if, if your man, for example, is showing up in that very emotional place, someone has to correct the balance. So you're probably going to go more masculine. Exactly. You are going to then have to step into your masculine, which from time to time, totally cool. That's mm-hmm. not a problem because everyone, every person, masculine or feminine, they need to be able to connect with this part of themselves and be vulnerable. But if it's happening frequently, you're going to feel the discomfort in that as a feminine person, because then you have to step up and figure it out, take care of business, create the container yourself. And for a feminine person, that's exhausting and that's draining. 
and problem solve everything. Yes. Uh huh. Um. Yes. So so true. There was something that you posted. I'm just going to read this actually. This was about, you know, if you're expecting them to show up like you do, etc. But one of the paragraphs that you wrote was if you say yes to things you don't really want to do or agree to things just to be nice, secretly judge them or overanalyze their behavior or generally have poor emotional boundaries with your masculine partner, but expect to be able to maintain the relationship like you still could with all that going on with a girlfriend, you will be disappointed. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about this. And something that I have been thinking about, especially with regards to people pleasing in relationships, is that healthy partners are actually really put off by people pleasing. Oh, absolutely. Especially healthy masculine partners. Right. Like they're going to find that actually really unattractive. Mm-hmm. And it's it's inauthentic. Polarity, right? Oh, absolutely. Because it's it's actually it's not. I mean, it's not you being in your feminine. I mean, and it's people, also not you being authentic, right? Yes, exactly. It's it's um, it's inauthentic. And I don't want to say that like I'm. This is like a judgment. You're being inauthentic, but it's coming from an inauthentic place, and it's coming from a place of control. People pleasing is ultimately about you. It's not about. It looks like on the surface you're. You're, you're trying to make the other person happy, but you're doing that in order to avoid the discomfort of feeling something if they're not happy or if they're not okay. So it's a way right. for you to covertly control the situation. And that's not going to feel good to anyone. And you can sense yeah. it. Like you can always sense it. No matter who you are or what the relationship is, you mm-hmm. feel it on the other end. It's so true. It's like manipulation in a really pretty outfit. Like you still don't want it. <laughs> yeah. It's and dressed you know, up a certain way, but it's, it's feels really bad. Yeah. And you know, what's so interesting too, is like when you have the courage to really say what you feel and you're like, you know what? I feel like they may not like this, but I'm going to fucking say it anyway. The whole tone of the relationship shifts to a place of radical honesty And I feel like that's when things really begin to get real. Yes, because now you can actually have intimacy. Right. Right. So when you're not really saying how you feel or what you want, there cannot be intimacy. There cannot be intimacy and you cannot establish trust. It's just not going to happen. Wow. It's amazing, right? Like these things, when you talk about them like this, it sounds so simple. But when you're in the depths of it, it seems so complicated. Yes, it seems complicated and it takes, I mean, you have to be very committed to working through it. Like you have to be committed to the process of this, that, that point in the relationship where it feels very confusing and you have to keep going because you will get through it and you'll make sense of it and the clarity will come, but you can't let that stop you. Mm. Mm. For sure. And then... Finally, something else that I wanted to address, which was another thing that I shared of yours that I really loved was you talking about mothering men (laughs) and (laughs) such a big one and what that looks like. And then what the results of you doing that are. Yeah. So 
I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, but I just wanted to briefly touch on it because I feel like a lot of women think that what love is, is actually just mothering and smothering. Yeah. And that happened on the post that I made. There were so many comments where people were like, wait a minute. I thought this was just how you related to Mm -hmm. your man and to your partner. Mm -hmm. So when you're mothering your partner, it can, oh, there's so many ways this can show up. So it can show up when he's feeling like when he's struggling and when he's feeling down and you're only willing to love him. It's like, it just, I'm just going to take care of him. I'm going to make sure he's totally okay. I'm only going to give him the feminine side of myself, which is pure love. I'm going to love the problems out of him. And you're not actually willing to give him any truth about where you're at within that situation. We think we have to give that up to make sure he only feels loved in the moment that he's struggling. But that actually doesn't work for a masculine partner. That's not what actually draws them up into their worth. Uh, it actually doesn't feel good to them. And then it's it can show up as, you know, over caring about how he feels, being hyper-focused on can how I he feels. you for one second? So yes. when you say you're not sharing your truth with him, does that mean saying like, well, you may feel down about it, but I noticed that you haven't actually done X, Y, Z that would help? Or is it more saying... I feel really frustrated that you're being like this or something, something completely different. Yes. I think you're onto it. So it's, it's sharing, it's sharing the love that you have for this person. Like I'm God, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way. I'm sorry that you're going through this, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not dismissing their commitments. Like if he's feeling down and he's like, I'm just not going to go to work anymore. Like, I don't think I, I'm going to call him to work for this whole week and I'm just not going in. Your truth there would be like, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm. Like this scares me. So it's not, it's not about being critically direct with him, but it's about mm. being direct and honest about where you are at. Mm. And it's not about coaching him, right? Because that's also awesome mothering. Exactly. Yes. You're not his coach. You're not his therapist. Mothering can show up when you, something I used to do all the time, where you're like, oh, well, I'm going to send him this YouTube video about how to communicate because it's really going to help him. Or there's this book, I'm just going to leave it on his pillow and be like, maybe you should try reading this. That is all acts of mothering. You're trying to control the direction that he's going with his own healing or just where he's at with things. When that's not, that's not actually loving and that's not actually seeing him. Mm. And it's not demonstrating that you have confidence in his ability to sort out his own fucking life, right? Oh, not at all. There's, there's no respect. You are not respecting where he is. You're not respecting his position. You don't actually see where he is. You don't, you, you don't trust him. There is a lack of trust. Mm. Which is so demoralizing. Yes. Uh, especially That's like for the masculine, that is a need to feel like they are trusted by their partner. Mm. And if you're mothering, you're, you're controlling the direction that he's going or you're trying to overcoddle him and overprotect him. Like there's no, there's no room for that there's no room for trust to develop. There's no room for respect to develop. Mm. 
God, yeah, it's such a big, it's such a big thing. And like you said, you know, all the comments on the post were like, well, I thought this is just how you show up and love somebody. Right. I mean, we, I mean, who, who witnessed anything otherwise? This is, you either witnessed this kind of quote unquote love relationship with your parental figures, or you witnessed something completely overtly like abusive and painful, or you just experienced nothing like they they, you didn't have a connection with them and you didn't get to witness any sort of healthy relating in general. So it's like, mm-hmm. where do we understand where do we place ourselves within having a healthy relationship and knowing how to treat the masculine? And this, again, this comes back to learning about the masculine, learning about their needs, about who they are, how they function, how they're different to us, so that when we relate to them, we are keeping that in mind. We're not only looking at them through the feminine lens and how the feminine does things, we are taking their needs and how they thrive into account. Mm. So this may be a hard thing to sum up, but if we are going to step away from, you know, people pleasing and step away from mothering and step into feeling into our emotions, what is our role as women in relationships with men? If that's, you know, how we define ourselves, like, what does it look like from our side of the street to really show up in a healthy way that's going to help this relationship thrive? You as the feminine, you set the tone, like you create the environment. You are the inner home to the relationship. He is, he is showing up and creating the walls, the container of the relationship, the boundaries and the definition of it but you are filling it. You are filling it with your your juicy emotions, which he can't get enough of. You are filling it with your authenticity and you are making the space for him to play. You're making the space for him to feel like he can be vulnerable when he needs to be vulnerable. You're making the space for him to rest and feel refueled and revived so he can then leave and go back out into the world you're the safe space for him and you are the fuel for him emotionally and energetically as the feminine Mm. and honestly there's no way to do that if you're not truly taking care of your own needs first exactly and that's what it keeps coming back to like the key to your feminine energy is being able to meet your needs because then you are in a position of being filled up. Your cup is filled and you're not going to radiate. You're not going to be in your radiance and magnetism and, and unique beauty and feminine qualities unless you are filled up. And that is what feeds the masculine partner in your life. Mm. So really your job is to live a life that thrills you. Your job is you. Yes. As the feminine, your job is you. I love that. It's so simple and it's so complicated all at the same time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's a part of the path. It's a part of the feminine path. We start out in the polar opposite 
side, most women start out with like the people pleasing and the codependency and the hyper focus on the external, on the outside. Mm -hmm. And then as we mature and as we grow and we learn to understand who we truly are, that starts to shift and that shift of focus becomes internal. And as we do that, that is when we start to express our radiance, express our authentic feminine, and we start to feel really fucking good. I love that. I love that. Oh my God. This conversation was so amazing. Um, for anybody who wants to find you online, how do they do that? They can definitely find me on Instagram. This is my favorite place to write and to, to put out value and content for, for women and men alike. I have a lot of men followers as well. And my name on Instagram is pussyflowers uh, with a V and not a U. And then they can also come to my website, which is just pussyflowers.com. Amazing. And do you have classes and coaching and all those good things? Yes, I do one-on-one coaching and I have courses that um, anyone can take. I have a great course that women seem to love called the 28 Days of Understanding Masculine and Feminine Dynamics. And if you are new to this work, and even if you're not new to it, I feel like this is always such a great place to start because Mm -hmm. it's such a foundation-building course of understanding who the masculine is and who the feminine is in relation to it. I love that. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I think everybody is probably going to have to listen to this again and take some notes. I'm definitely going to. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, Gala. I'm so grateful for the invite to connect with you. And this was really wonderful. Thank you. Oh,